0: You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey everyone, it's Jeff Ellis of Locked On Indians. want to tell everyone that our show is brought to you by rockauto.com, reliably low prices, all the the only place you ever need for parts for your car. Go check it out for yourself. So let's talk about the game today and then we'll talk about the minor leagues as promised. This minor league season kicks off uh well kicked off last night. It's kicking off today I'm recording this so we have to talk about the way the Indians land the minor leagues. But let's start with the win. Eight to six uh you know not the strongest performance by Aaron Sabali, let's be honest. Only two strikeouts it, it, that's been some of the concerning things, I think, with Savali and Plesak for me, isn't the struggles, it's the lack of strikeouts. You just cannot succeed if you're not missing bats with the way the game is played right now. It's a lot easier to strike out players in general. Uh, for, you know, I, I make a big deal out of what Shane Bieber is doing historically, and I don't want to discount that because he's fantastic. But I would be curious to see what the strikeout rate or even percentage like what percentage of time a hitter comes to bat and strikes out now versus when say Randy Johnson pitched which is who Shane Bieber was tied with for you know the consecutive strikeout streak before he set it for himself Uh, looking at this one just the two strikeouts three runs on three walks and seven hits Shaw we were talking about how amazing he's been bit of a struggle two runs given up one strikeout, one hit, uh, does not fin. I mean, he, so he comes in because Savali only goes five and two thirds. Then he only goes an inning. So then Karen Chalk ends up going an inning and a third and he gives up a home run. Then Class A comes out, gets your save. That's his sixth of the year. In terms of the hitters in this one, Harold Ramirez, I don't think I mentioned, gets the call up. And we should talk about that for a second here. So why Harold Ramirez? Why is Daniel Johnson already gone? Well, Fran Mill is off the paternity list and they sent down kyle nelson they brought up harold ramirez and you know Franmo returned with kyle nelson and daniel johnson going out i feel like i messed that up somewhere i apologize if i did so they brought up harold ramirez because we found out that uh i can't remember if it's an ankle or a knee basically loop is a little banged up right now ramirez is someone who can just slot in and kind of take over the loop low role a little bit of time and I I had a conversation on Twitter with Gage and I believe it's at Gage EHC Gage is a really smart guy does some really great work uh give him his props and we kind of went back and forth where you know I put up a tweet about the outfield you know it's grim times the outfield has been so bad people are getting excited about Harold Ramirez who for his career you know has a 92 OPS plus I want to say at peak I shouldn't say for his career And his defensive war is negative. Like, he is a below-average hitter and defender. People legitimately getting excited. And then (laughs) the Indians had the worst outfit in baseball. The Marlins had the second worst, and they let him go. And that also speaks to it. And I say all this, like, that was my point of view. That's what kind of got the combo started. And Gage, you know, made some very good points about the fact that he's got big exit velocity. And he does, you know, he is like a 70 runner on the 70-80 scale. His arm is... I mean, some of you listening in this audience legitimately have a stronger arm. Like That's not exaggeration. I'm willing to bet there's at least three to four people listening to the show right now who have a stronger arm than Harold Ramirez. And there's some good ball contact skills, you know, ball-to-bat skills, as they, they call it. So he's got good contact. He's got some big exit velocity uh, numbers. Can they find more? And that, that's kind of the question, and you can find that interaction. Again, Gage is a really smart guy. I recommend following him. But I Ramirez had two hard hits, and did one of them— I'm trying to remember if he ended up with an extra base hit. I feel like—no, he did not. Uh, two singles. I mean, he's mostly a singles hitter, let's be honest. Uh, two very hard hit singles for him. Naylor has two hits, a double and a home run, both extra bases. Uh, Eddie Rosario has the big three run shot before Naylor follows that up. He also has a walk. Franmel comes back a man of fire, goes three for four with a walk uh, to pass Jose Ramirez for the team lead in OPS. Jose Ramirez goes one for two, but does manage two walks. Cesar Hernandez has one hit and three walks. Uh, Ahmed Rosario, they had hitting two. I saw, and he got robbed of a single in the game. He goes with an over. for uh brito perez i mean it's been comes back from his slight injury goes over five with three strikeouts yu Chen chang jake bowers go combined over four with two strikeouts so not ideal and it was interesting that when they brought in him and as to take over short he did have an error in this one that rosario moved from shortstop to center field Harold Ramirez goes from center field to left field. And then Eddie Rosario goes out of the game. Uh, And that's not a bad alignment because, you know, Harold Ramirez, I think if you keep him in left field, can be about a league average defender. He has the speed to cover the position. But again, his arm really limits him. There's not another position you trust him at at all when it comes to uh, that outfield defense. There's a reason why with Toronto, I believe it was, he was a left fielder slash first baseman. Now, the Indians had another left fielder slash first baseman who was thought to be a singles only hitter. Uh, I'm not comparing him to Michael Brantley, but there is room for profile comparisons, uh, as both were left fielder slash first baseman at points in the minors, and both were kind of viewed as these single hitter types, guys who were not much more than, you know, potential uh, old school leadoff hitters, bottom of the order guys, guys who'd be closer to the league average. Again, Michael Brantley was never a top 100 prospect. No one in the Indians' rotation was. Sometimes you find more. Sometimes you develop more. That is what they're hoping to do with Harold Ramirez. Again, I'm not the highest on him, but that is what the Indians hope. That is what the Indians are hoping to see there. When you get it all together, you know, the traditional box score is eight runs on 10 hits and an error, six runs on 10 hits, no errors. Kansas City but the Indians had eight walks the Royals had five in this one and then those additional things wild pitches by Savali, Shaw and then Barlow and Zuber on the other side a balk by Lynch an intentional walk to Josh Naylor and a hit by pitch uh, by Savali on Salvador Perez so just extra base runners all around Indians beat Daniel Lynch well he doesn't pick up the loss that goes to Jake Junis who the both home runs were hit off of The three-run shot by Rosario and the two-run shot by Naylor. But it is his major league debut, not the strongest debut. But it's a hard matchup. I would not want to debut a rookie left-handed pitcher against the Indians. I know the Indians' offense, people are going, it shouldn't matter. But again, this is a lineup where right now Fran Mill and Jose are both hitting. Uh, Naylor is definitely picking it up. He is heating up, uh, as it were. He's got two shots, you know, the third shot and he'll be on fire you're going through, there's, there's signs of hope. <laughs> Maybe I'm being overly optimistic, uh, but th- you know, it, it just comes down to Ramirez and Fran Miller are always going to be okay. If Naylor can get closer to league average or above league average, that's all I want. Roberto Perez has been just a, a bitter <laughs> disappointment. I'll be honest, but Ahmed Rosario is showing some signs of life. There are reasons to think, and I still think Eddie Rosario is going to play better than he has played so far. So there's, again, I predicted the lineup would be better this year than a year ago and I still think we'll get there eventually. But first, let's before we talk about the miners, stop and take a quick sponsor break. You guys know, I get excited when we get a new sponsor, which is what we have. I mentioned on Friday Sports Trade is a brand new website that is sportstrade.com. It's a fantasy sports meets the stock market. It takes fantasy to the next level. It's like Robin Hood for fantasy sports. The platform allows you to buy and sell shares of your favorite players just like stocks. A fair and exciting way to cash in on your knowledge of sports. And they just added baseball to the platform, so check it out. Making money in sports trade is simple, as their player values rise and fall based on two factors. Statistical performance in each game compared to their projected fantasy points. So if you see a guy and you know, hey, this is a, you know, when we go through and talk about this, you know, Kenta Maeda. I said, go buy Jake Bowers. If you'd gone and bought it that day, that'd have been a nice return on your investment. When you're ready to buy shares, pick the penny stock in a rookie with huge upside or grab the blue chip vet who's always a solid performer. Instantly buy and sell as many shares and as many players as you like, just like the stock market. Watch your players battle and your portfolio rise. Simply go to sportstrade.com, watch the how it works video and sign up today. Sign up today at sportstrade.com and discover the fun and exciting and profitable new world of sports trading. I've talked about Blue Nile 1010 before. What I will stand by that I think is cool about this product is it's an all female designer line. It's 1010 because it's 10 female designers. And when you go, like for me, I just went to Google and I typed in the search bar. Blue Nile 1010 it takes you right to the website and you can read the profiles. You can find out about these female designers, see which ring you like, and you get a backstory in a way. You get to know who made it. You get to know what their inspiration was. You get to find out about this product, all responsibly sourced from Botswana Diamonds. You don't have to feel bad. They're they're responsibly sourced. Go to BlueNile.com. That is BlueNile.com. 1010, 10, or you can just do the Google search, Blue Nile 1010. 10. Go check it out for yourself. I saw two or three that I thought were really nice, really interesting. Uh, I'm not the fanciest person, so the ones I saw were uh, kind of more of a classical look, but I thought they were quite cool. Check it out for yourself. Again, that is Blue Nile 1010 collection. So let's talk some minor league baseball. If you get a chance and you're listening to the podcast right now, it's kind of humorous to pause and go look at the Columbus Clippers roster and staff. I don't know when they're going to update or change this. When I got the email from the Indians, uh, you know, one of the advantage of now being considered media is they sent me a list for all the other levels, and their note was that AAA was essentially going to be similar to what we saw, will be comprised of most of the current alternate site players. So I was kind of curious to see what their AAA roster would look like. So when I went to the Columbus Clippers roster and staff, listed is Brady Aiken, Raymond Burgos, Ben Croth, Jordan Stevens. And then catcher, uh, Angel Lopez Alvarez. Hey, you know, it's everyone's been asking me about Brady Aiken for a while. Uh, he's listed there. I don't know if we're actually going to see him uh, with them. But it is interesting that the picture appears to have him in a Clippers hat. So, you know, maybe we will get a return of Brady Aiken. I mean, he, it, it's, it's just that unfortunate tale. Like, I was a huge Brady Aiken fan. When he was drafted by the Astros as the first overall player, I talked about Clinton Kershaw. It was just, I mean, he was always a smooth athlete with impeccable control, and all of a sudden the velocity jumped. He just had that Tommy John that you know that everyone said, like this is a Tommy John that is more dangerous. There's some issues, and he never came back. This he, when he came back, he wasn't the same pitcher. wasn't even the same pitcher he was before his velocity jump. He did go to work with the driveline guys. And again, maybe we'll we'll see him in Columbus. He is wearing a Clippers hat in his picture. That'd be something interesting and fun to look forward to. I'm hoping this is uh, a true case. But yeah, it is kind of funny to go there and see five players lifted, lifted, listed. Uh, Raymond Burgos is a really interesting lefty. Rail skin, rail skin, rail thin uh, left-handed pitcher. I think he was like an 11th round pick, which is always a very valuable one to the Indians. He's pitched well in the lower minors. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy. Ben Krauth is that, like, I think he was Kansas left-hander who, relief roll, and he's kind of moved through the system. And then Jordan St- uh, Stevens was on the 40-man at one point. He might have been a claimy from the White Sox, who got him originally from the Reds. But let's talk about what makes this mining league setup really interesting before we dive into... Names and players to watch at each level. First off, it is Akron. Lake County is high A now. Lynchburg is low A. Then you have your Arizona League. No Mahoning Valley, no short season. That's part of the Dreamers League. And then Lynchburg and Lake County flipped. So Lake County is now your high A team instead of your low A team. And it's almost like the Indians didn't realize that because they put You know, I talked about this a little bit yesterday. Mason Hickman, Logan Allen, and Tanner Burns all going into High A. Typically, we'd see these guys go to short season ball. We wouldn't see them even go to Low A. I mean, they're putting them in High A. So you're in a situation here where if Tanner Burns performs really well, he could get pushed to Double A before the year is done. Or could at least with any of these arms, they can end up seeing time in Double A for you know a postseason run. Now. I'm not sure the AA roster is good enough to make the postseason, so that may be uh, over-exaggerating things a little bit. But this sets them up. I mean, this is setting up a situation where they have push guys up at the end of August if they're performing well. So Tanner Burns is putting him on a two-year track to the majors. I mean, potentially. it's putting all of those arms on a two-year track to the majors, three-year track. Now, is this a sign of high aggressiveness? a change in approach or is it a sign for a team that, you know, they lost uh last year with these arms. Now, college arms in general, yes, they would have had a lot of innings in college, but they don't you don't have the these three guys would not have pitched many innings for the Indians last year in the minors. You typically see the college arms kind of get a break, maybe 3 to 4 starts and then rest. So, I don't know. It's interesting. Let's just put it as that. It's a very interesting maneuver to be that aggressive with these hitters, with these players. Uh, we're not going to really have time to get into the the cuts. We'll get into those later in this week. But that was kind of one of the big things we saw as well is a, a whole set of players who were let go because there's no longer a short season team. And there's no longer, you know, like... There used to be two teams in Arizona. It was like Arizona Red and Arizona Blue. That's not happening right now. There's essentially one team there. It's a bigger team, but it's it's one team. So it wasn't just the cutting of short season ball. It's the Arizona teams. There's even less of them. So we've probably seen the end of them letting players go for now, uh, at least until the draft. I mean, after the draft, they're going to have probably about 20 players in the organization that they're going to have to move around and find spots for. So if guys are underperforming, uh, look out. But that's, that, that's what stood out to me more than anything else. is just the aggressive placement that you're going to see pitchers who, like I said, it's, you know, Tanner Burns, the big knock there. Like, he's got good stuff. He just couldn't hold onto it through a college baseball season. I thought maybe he's a reliever long-term. Chance for a starter. Chance for a mid-rotation starter. But more than likely, he ends up a reliever. Still, I, even if he's a starter and that works out, this is... For a team that has historically been very slow to promote, it's really interesting to see them high A for every single college pitcher we drafted last year. They didn't draft any college bats, they only went with pitchers, and they're dropping them all in high A. So again, Lake County, really interesting to check out, if for that reason alone. But there's much beyond that. So we talked about the, the big name pitchers. Matt Turner is kind of a lower pitcher, I've been really, I've talked up on this podcast. Hunter Gattis was a recent high pick that's also there who's interesting. And then bats. Let's get into the bats. Raynaud Delgado. We, I mentioned him in the what most expensive fifth or sixth round pick in Indians history. Aaron Bracho, who is a top 10 prospect. Brian LaVastita, who I think you can make the case as the top catching prospect after Bo Naylor in the entire system. Joe Naranjo, who was a very high paid prospect. Uh, Draft pick recently, Jose Tenia, who's got bloodlines and is kind of the forgotten up the middle prospect, George Valera, one of the top three prospects in system, Brian Roccoio, who some people view is a top 100 prospect in all of baseball. And it just comes down to where are these guys going to play? So I'm assuming Bracho at at second, Delgado at third, Roccoio is your short. Where Where does Jose Tenia play? it's that, you know, where are they going to find the spots? Uh, Victor Nova, who was another player in that Bauer deal. Where's his spot? I'll be, like I said, I'll be curious to see how they, Naranjo is a first baseman. uh, And they have like, Will Brennan was a recent high pick. It's interesting. He's only listed as an outfielder. He was drafted as a two-way player. I talked about him extensively because he's like a backup platoon outfield type. And he's like a, a lefty, Not necessarily a loogie, but close to a loogie as a left-handed pitcher, which kind of made him the perfect two-way player because he's not great at either enough to make you... He's good at both, but doesn't excel in one or the other where you wouldn't consider him... You'd want to have him stop doing one role to do the other. Not listed, though, on the pitchers, so I don't know if they've decided to not have him pitch or what, but that Lake County team on first blush was definitely the one. First I looked at the pitching, and then I looked at the hitting, and I'm like, okay... You know, if you have the opportunity, this is a team to cover. This is a team to check out. Let's take a moment here and check in with one of our sponsors, betonline.ag. Remember when you go to betonline.ag, use the promo code locked on to get a 5-0. That's 50% bonus on your first deposit. Let's look at the Indians line for tomorrow's game. 8-10 game. Sam Henches versus Mike Miner. Henches is getting a run and a half. Money line is negative 155 for the Indians, plus 135. Or no, that's the run line. Money line is plus 129 for the Indians, negative 139 for the Royals. Over under is nine runs. That's, you know, the average we see for them is about eight and a half. So they're expecting a high scoring affair. I have to agree. Henches hasn't looked great in his call up. Minor has pitched better this year. The Indians do hit lefties much better. But I still think that you have to favor the Royals heading into tomorrow's game. And if you think that this is a situation where I'm completely wrong, then you should go to BetOnline.ag today. Use the promo code Locked On. Get that 50 5-0, percent bonus and go put some money on the Indians. Uh, I'm looking at the side, and there's so many things you can do: politics, soccer, tennis, horse racing, martial arts. Uh, I'm very curious to look at political futures it's all here it's it's fascinating to go check out so go check it out for yourself at betonline.ag talked about rock auto at the top of this, the show they are a title sponsor they've been a sponsor for over a year now he's a fantastic commitment to the show and to the major league baseball podcasts over here on Locton in general how can they afford to do that how can they afford a year of advertising it's because they have a great product You don't stick around for a year unless you have a good product. And Rock Auto, it's not so much a product as a service, you know, as I would teach my students, uh, products versus services, but what the service they have is getting you the parts you need for your car at fantastic prices. It's one central location, family owned, cuts down the overhead. I've talked about all of these things. Go check it out for yourself. It is a great tool for you. It is a way to make sure you are getting a good deal on the parts and pieces your car is going to inevitably need. Cars break down. You need replacement parts. Rock Auto is the place to go. It's always a reliably low price. You can go check it out for yourself at rockauto.com. In the How'd You Hear About Us box, type Locked On, Locked On Indians, Locked On MLB, some form of Locked On, lets them know that we sent you and that their advertising dollars are well spent. That is rockauto.com make sure you tell them that locked on sent you so let's talk about the rubber ducks next yes i always type the arrows at first when i go to do it yes uh they're no longer following me on twitter you know there there's there's some reasons why they shouldn't maybe still be my my favorite affiliate but it's always going to be near and dear to my heart i spent years during the summer living in that press box getting free dinner uh, on the rubber ducks and interviewing players. It was a special experience. It was my first time getting to be, in my mind, real media. Now, I say that and I laugh about it because I had been on ESPN's radio. I had been on John Hours show on draft night to talk about the draft. I had appeared on talk radio, uh, morning drive radio, on pretty much every major city except for Cleveland and New York to talk the draft uh, when I was at Scout. I had done all of these things but being in the press box was a brand new and fun experience. And that's, I'm never going to forget that. That's always going to be something that stands out for me. So let's talk about this Akron team just right now. Who is there? Who is in place? So Will Benson, he's still an interesting player. I don't know if it's ever going to come together. Loud tools, loud skills. Oscar Gonzalez has always been fascinating because the rare rate at which he walked, You know, normally when I say that, I mean it's a high rate. No, this is a guy who might walk like once a month. Bo Naylor, massive prospect, one of the top, could end up being the top catching prospect in baseball by the end of the year, uh, especially with graduations of some other guys. Let's talk about the prospects that are the most interesting to me. There's three of them. Jose Fermin, he has been Rule 5 eligible the last two years, hasn't been selected because he's been stuck down in A ball. Really good rate data in terms of walks and strikeouts. Interesting prospect, a breakout here, and he might be someone they have to add to their 40-man. And He's not someone I included in that initial list of 11 or the four additional names when I went to 15. One of the additional names was Richard Palacios, who they drafted out of Townsend a few years ago. Fun uh, braggy fact with that is back when I was a 24-7 draft night, I would write up every single pick on day one. So that's you know, ends up being close to 100 picks. And then I would do a day three mock. And essentially, I would reset my big board at best available. Uh, so yeah, I would go to bed about 6-7am. And then wake up around what well, depends. If I had interviews, sometimes I would go to bed around six, and wake up at seven, do an interview, take a nap, do another interview, take a nap. But eventually, I would get two to three hours in before the draft would begin again. And that year in my third round mock reset, the only pick I got correct, Richard Palacios to the Indians. And the reason I predicted it was young first class, high-level production, production up the middle, good bloodlines, all sorts of things to like. And he performed really well upon being drafted, but was the unusual, like I said, it was Tommy John surgery for an infielder. Missed time, they're putting him aggressively in double A. He's a guy, if he performs really well, is going to get 40-man consideration. And then, hitting-wise, the crown jewel, Tyler Freeman, either one, two, or three in the Indian system, depending on how you want to look at him as a prospect. You know, there are those who put him one. And the hard part for me with that is he doesn't really display anything outside of hit tool. So it's, how, how can you figure out Ty Freeman and his exact value? He hits everywhere he goes. But hit tool is often like the one tool that translates the least as a player rises. What do you do there? I mean, I think I believe I had him number two and I believe in him as a prospect pitching wise. This is where this team gets shaky. I don't know who I would consider the top prospect in this pitching group. Uh, at points, it would have been Juan Hillman, Justin Garcia. Part of me thinks uh, Jonathan Tenia is maybe the most interesting or Juan Mota pitching wise, there's not a whole lot there. It's a lot of guys who have just Shane McCarthy has been effective, but he's an older pitcher. It is a group of guys who've put in their time. You know, it's not a group of high end prospects there. So there's a lot of interesting prospects, as I mentioned in that, that uh, high a group, but it just doesn't extend as much to AA Akron. Later this week, you know, we'll we'll dive into Lynchburg, which has uh, a bunch of relatively high draft picks from the past few years. A lot of interesting, even if they're not weren't high draft picks, they're highly paid players, which also speaks to them. Uh, some interesting uh, pitchers as well. Uh, I love Lenny Torres and Josh Wolf being on the same team. Uh, as well with Daniel Espino. It's a, a fun triumvirate down there. And then spending some time talking about Arizona and then, of course, giving due to the players who were let go, giving them that kind of final look like we gave to Tyler Freeze and Mitch Reeves. There were a group let go, and we will get to them later in this week as well. I have been Jeff Ellis. This has been the Lockdown Indians podcast for today. Remember to rate and review, download daily. That helps. Tell a friend. All those things are very much appreciated. And for the next year, maybe two. Go Tribe.